And would you suggest that someone starts with a duplex or a triplex or maybe a cottage, something that they figure they're going to use later on in life? I'm looking at condos right now because I want to be in a catchment area for my daughter to attend a school later on when she's grown up, right? So at the same time, I, I see the return on cottages in the last couple of years, and you can make more in a three-season cottage in that summer to pay off everything, or and that would almost be doubling what you can make off a condo, right? So again, but there's pros and cons to that. Welcome once again to the Launchpad Podcast. My name is J-Man. Just to let you know that I am taking the extra and putting it in the intro. We had a whole <laughs> bunch of troubles recording this podcast and, and the sound is going to be off. So I apologize for that a little bit later on. I'm going to sound muffled. But the good thing is the gentleman that is to like my left, possibly I think the right when this broadcast gets started, uh, he comes through loud and clear. His name is Andre Meadow, and he's a realtor at the Meadow Group. He has his own podcast, which is phenomenal, and he has a YouTube page called Coming to Ottawa. This is a guy that invests in himself, and possibly you're going to want to invest with him too. Andre, welcome to the Launchpad Podcast, my friend. Thank you so much for having me, man. This is a pleasure. Uh, I'm just super excited to be here. All right, so we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, we are going to talk about rental properties, who should be getting into rental properties, what type of rental properties they want, what the heck is going on with today's marketplace, and these interest rates, which seem to be fluctuating like crazy. Yeah, it's, it's murderous almost. Uh, <laughs> so you're going to be the guy that's going to put us on track in regards to how to approach today's real estate market. Now, you have an interesting backstory. You actually got into real estate because you were launching a business on your own. Maybe you can give us a quick snapshot of that. So the backstory is actually pretty funny. And I get this asked all the time. It's like, hey, Andre, how'd you get into real estate? And it's actually through a chicken wing business, uh, if you believe it. So uh, before I got back to Canada, um, I, was, I spent some time in Russia and we worked with a couple of Western franchises, food franchises. There was two. There was a, a, a Western and a Southwest that we brought over as a franchise to Russia and I was in charge as the operations manager. So customer service, kind of working on the menu, advertising, all that stuff. Long story short, we made the concept work. But because of ex expensive import fees, we had to cut ties and we rebranded. So we built essentially our own brand. Opened up uh, about, at the time, eight restaurants in Moscow. So a year and a half went by and um, I call up the guys and I say, listen, I got an idea. I got a wild idea. They're like, okay, what is it? I said, let me get licensed. Let me get my realtor license. I want to join a commercial department at a brokerage, get on the other side of the industry and see what's available. There's got to be something better than what these agents keep sending us, right? Like this is a big question mark. It's not working out. It's not good for us. So I actually fast-tracked my realtor license, got it in just under a year because I do have the commercial background from Moscow, from all the projects that we were doing. Got licensed, joined a brokerage, commercial department, Took me about three weeks to realize that literally the commercial market is very dry in Ottawa. There aren't that many options, or at the time there wasn't, right? So, so again, we went through kind of you know looking at different things, and it, it just didn't make sense financially. So, you know, the partner said, "Okay, well, maybe we shouldn't pull the trigger in Ottawa. What are you going to do?" And I said, "Well, hey, I got my license. I'm let me try residential, right? I mean, this right. residential is a huge chunk of the of the real estate market here in Ottawa. So the transition was pretty fast, coming from a customer service background." talking to people, trying to help them out, right? Getting face-to-face. -face. I like doing that, right? So the transition was easy and I started doing residential 
And uh, about a year after I got my license, I switched into a different brokerage, something a little bit more boutique style where I kind of be in control of my own marketing, in control of the metal group, not tied down so much to like the old school brokerages. And here I am now. Uh, it'll be year four. I started in March and uh, still going. That's pretty awesome. So you, you pretty much have a full range of exactly what it is that's happening in real estate, uh, the ins and outs. What is the number one difference that you see now in the marketplace than you did four years ago, right? So obviously, I don't know if it just happened to coincide with COVID. It seems like it did. But why this just like nonsense explosion in regards to real estate prices? I mean, you got to remember, supply and demand is the backbone. It's the it's the fundamental economic factor for any real estate market, right? So you got to kind of look, you got to break it down, and it's a lot more simple than you think it is. First of all, stay away from the headline news. The headline news the last couple of years have really beaten up our industry. Uh, they've kind of scared the consumer away a little bit. Um, and I mean, there's 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 truth to every headline news. There's a lot of statistics behind the market, but we really focus on data. We always look at the data. The, the numbers don't lie, right? Mm -hmm. So. Uh, to give everybody kind of sped up on the real estate market, there's three phases in the real estate market. There's a seller's market, there's a balanced market, and there's a buyer's market. We've been a seller's market in Ottawa for about 25 years. So what that means is that there are more buyers than homes available to buy, right? So you always need to get that competition. The buyer is not just going out looking a couple of months out. They can sleep on it, think about it. Now, the market has changed since. We'll get into that. But... That's kind of where we've been for a while, right? So supply and demand, not enough to give everybody what they're looking for. Now, a balanced market is anywhere about, about four to six months of inventory. So what that means, we call it months of inventory or, or our supply. It's it's if no other home came onto the market today, in exactly how much time would there be zero homes for sale, right? So uh, June and July, we're, we're, we've been about 2.1 months of inventory. Our supply, August, we went down we dipped down back to 1.8. So we're still a very hard, aggressive seller's market, right? Now, so Andre, let me just jump in there for one second, because I'm just going to ask what so many people ask. There are so many homes that are being built. Where are these people coming from that all these homes can already be occupied? It's called population growth. And this is probably one of the most common questions that I get from, from buyers. It's, you know, um, why isn't there available inventory? Why isn't there enough for everybody? So we have something called population growth, right? Ottawa is just over a million people. Uh, we're projected to grow by another 400 to 500,000 people within 20 years. Now, going back to the seller's market that we've been for 25 years, we are short supply. We, we don't have enough resources, enough developers, enough money behind it to build at a faster rate. Remember, builders can only build so fast. And then what happened two years ago, we got hit with COVID and that just put right. a stop to everything. Everything's delayed, not enough supplies, but hey, population growth is going to happen no matter what, right? Mm. Now, population growth is one thing. Then we have immigration. Um, you obviously follow a little bit of the Canadian politics, Trudeau's plans of 400,000 people in Ontario every year. Where are they going to go? They need homes. So again, right. this is going to put all that pressure onto, onto the demand side. And our supply is going, well, I, I can't keep up with the demand, right? So this is kind of like, this is where Ottawa's been for a while. And of course, COVID, COVID didn't, didn't help, right? I mean, it just, right. it, it slowed things down. So we're playing a game of catch up. But again, from us to go from a seller's market to a balanced market and the, the maybe that potential buyer's market where there's actually enough options for everybody, I'm a little bit optimistic, right? So, I mean, okay. it's, it's tough. So I come from the camp where I hear a lot of individuals talking about they they feel that this is somehow orchestrated in some way, <laughs> shape or form. OK, now, from what I just heard, 
in your explanation is that this is a problem that we were having before COVID even hit. We have been behind the ball for like a decade or so. And yeah. so now with COVID, that just slowed things down even further and we're still playing catch up. So now why are we seeing a normalization in regards to prices? Interest rates, the banks, they want their money and uh, they're making it a little bit harder. You know, their excuses, it's we're battling inflation. Mm. Again, I have my own opinion on what inflation is, but, um, you know, there's going to be there's going to be external factors going to be in the way of the consumer. And one of them right now, of course, is the interest rates. Right. Mm. If you go back about uh, six months to 12 months ago, we had record low interest rates. The cost of borrowing money was practically free. I mean, you had rates less than one percent. It's a no-brainer to go out and refinance, maybe pull out some equity from the homes. And, you know, the the banks were doing that to stimulate the economy because nobody knew what was going to happen during COVID, right? It's the beginning of COVID. What's going to happen to our economy? We're not sure. Let's give all these incentives to people. Let's help them out a little bit financially, kind of get them going, see where this goes. But people jumped on pretty quick and said, hey, if it's that cheap to borrow money, I'm going to borrow lots right, of it. Right. And I'm going to start buying properties. I'm going to take out equity or money from my current home. I'm going to buy a second property and a third property. I'm going to jump into the market. All of a sudden, this happens so fast. And the banks are like, whoa, 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 wait a second. This is, we're not making money on this, right? You got to remember the, the, the your mortgage payment is made up of two payments, right? Your principal, which is towards paying down your house and your interest, which goes to the bank. So the banks aren't getting money. And all of a sudden they said, you know, we got to, we got to fix this somehow. So there is this kind of this backend politics to it. Uh, you know, the Bank of Canada, the big lenders, um, you know, they control a lot of this uh, market. So, you know, if they're going to start raising interest rates, all of a sudden people or consumers are going to say, well, wait a second, what's that going to take out of my pocket? What's the difference, right. right? So, I mean, the value of houses went up and again, back to supply and demand, right? They pushed, you know, six months ago, we were, we had bidding wars out of control. There were, there were times where you had 30 minutes to look at a house as a buyer, walk out and your agent would write that offer in the car, that same 20 right. minutes after that showing right. most likely knowing that they're going to lose that because it's not, you know, too high, et cetera, et cetera. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's other, other, other factors that control our market as well too. We have out of towners and all that. We can talk about that later, but, but right now that's where we're at, where, where we went from cheap interest rates and high price and lots of demand to mm -hmm. high interest rates, low demand. So it counterbalanced itself a little bit. So we right. literally fell about 16% on the average price of a home six months ago to today, right? Okay. That's a, but, that's a big number. So we were told though by the banks that like this interest rate should stay pretty settled for a while. And I think since they, they made that statement, it's gone up on two or three different occasions. And what what is it? I keep on hearing this term on the TikToks. I possibly heard it on one of your videos as well in regards to where the interest rate gets to a point to where people aren't making any payments on their principal. That's right. It's called the trigger rate. And that's kind okay. of the new term that's been flying around. And that's basically exactly like you said. It's that your mortgage payment is going toward pretty much that whole payment is going toward the interest to the bank. Now the bank loves it, but at one point they're going to say, well, hey, you know, it's got to, it's got to, it's got to be balanced a little bit, right? So what they're going to do is they're going to, they're going to up your mortgage payment so that it balances out a little bit. Now that's not for everybody that's on different types of, you got to understand there's so many types of mortgage payments. There's the fixed, the variable, different years, the, the, depending what you're on, what your package it is. It doesn't affect everybody, but it, it is going to affect some people for sure. So interest rates, inflation is the, the new talk kind of the real estate market. And buyers right now, basically what they're doing is they're playing a game of wait and see. So what does that mean? Wait and see 
are the prices going to drop even more? Now, since uh, March, our peak market to today, the prices have dropped almost 20%. And that's amazing, right? The value of a home right now is that much cheaper than it was six months ago. Now, there's a lot of buyer's remorse, people that have bought at the peak. Now they're saying my, my, my investment is screwed, right? I get that. But remember, real estate is not a short-term investment. It's a long-term investment. You're, you're not going to get your return in, in less than a year. It doesn't, ha it doesn't work that way, right? It's a nest egg. It's got to grow. So people, people are playing this wait and see game and they're saying, how much more can the average price drop before I should buy? But here's the tricky part. As the rates go up, if and I, and I did a recent post about this on Instagram where I compared the average price of a home back at the peak market and what that monthly payment was versus the prices dropped today and what that monthly payment is. And guess what's more expensive? The mortgage payment today at lower houses because that rate is giving more back to the bank. It's going to increase your monthly payment. So it's a little bit of a wait and see. We call it in the industry. It's called cost of waiting. And you got to be careful of that because how much is it going to cost you to wait, right? We have we have buyers in the market that are convinced it's going to crash and they're renting $2,500 a month mm -hmm. from the, that money they made from selling their house because they're convinced that now's not the time to get into the market. Now, when's the best time to get into market? And that's really going to depend on you and, and how financially ready you are. Right. We can't, unfortunately, predict the market 100%. No one can, right? But like I said, we work very, very strictly, at, le at least I do, and I know most realtors do, on stats, right? We, we, mm -hmm. we go back to the last month. We go back to the last two months. We study that, we, we come up with a data plan, we look at it, and then we can tell you what's most likely going to happen based on the numbers. But then, of course, like I said, you have the headline news. They're going to do everything to distract you. Sure. So you go into this panic mode and you're like, oh, my God, I lost my investment. What's going to happen? Should I sell? Should I run? What should I do? Right. You can be patient. It's, okay. it's, it's a game of patience right now. So I can see that obviously real estate is kind of like uh, the Oakland A's and Moneyball. I don't know if you know that movie, but where they were the first <laughs> team that kind of just went by the stats and really focused on those stats. Uh, opposed to just going with gut feelings or whatever they thought would possibly. Or I mean, there's a little, there's a little bit of gut feelings involved for sure, right? But like I said, it's it's a game of, you have to be patient now, right? The In today's market, the difference between six months ago is that buyers have more options. There are more homes in the market and they're cheaper, right? But does it financially make sense to get a mortgage right now at a high interest rate? Mm -hmm. Go to your lender and go to your broker, find out. But for sellers, you can still sell. We're still in a seller's market, but your house is not going to sell in less than a week. Okay. Average days in market are now almost uh, almost 30 days. So you have to be patient. It's marketing. It's not just your house. There's competition down the street. So you really got to stand out, right? And okay. the buyers know this and they're comparing properties, then making a decision. Analytics. That's what I was looking for. You focused uh, heavily on analytics. Now, absolutely. in regards to fixed and uh, variable, now, I have had friends that have been variable over the past 10 years. I've been fixed for 10 years. They've most definitely been winning the game. Okay. And now, obviously, things are starting to switch around a little bit. And, and they're paying a little bit more. Still, they're very, very far ahead. What would yeah. be your suggestion? Or is this like a person-to-person -person type thing in regards to where would you think somewhere or someone would want to lean today when it comes to picking that type of rate it's you're, you're right it's changed right where variable i know a lot of brokers that are still they'll give you a variable rate right and the reason is because they just like real estate we're always going to go through a cycle right now we're at the end of a cycle and the cycle is supposed to reset when when exactly it's going to happen we're not sure so you got to be patient with that right at the same time if you're able to get a good fixed rate six months ago for five years at a super low rate then why not stay that wait till your five-year term ends 
refinance and go from there. But then again, you're at the mercy of the market. So th this is this is a, a juggling act, right? You're mm -hmm. you're juggling, and you're you know, and like and again, you made a good point. It's going to come down to your personal situation in terms of what you're looking for, right? How much down payment you? There's so much goes into a mortgage payment, um, and the stress test now has been has been lifted as well too, right? So just to get in to the market now is a lot more harder than it was before. The banks want security. What's the what's the security? You want money up front. The more you give them, the better they're going to give you something in return, right? So it's um it, it's tough. I mean, like I said, I have I have brokers that are still variable. I have brokers that still sell the the, the fixed rate. I personally myself I'm actually coming up for a refinance in mid-November. I have no idea which way to go. And you know, I, I probably should, but I don't because <laughs> I have I'm distracted by literally two options, right? So I think it's gonna come down to the number of years that you're looking for, how much down payment, you know, are, are you pulling equity out? Are you are you pulling up money out to put into an income property? There's so many options available with real estate. So again, my advice to you is speak directly to your lender, compare lenders. Don't go don't don't go go to just one, go to a broker. They might have three or four lenders that they work with or 10 lenders. I believe there's about over 70 total lenders in Ottawa. That's a lot of options. I would say at least look at three or four. Every Everybody's situation is different. Uh, they're going to put it down on, on, on the table and you get to pick option one, two, three, or four, whatever works, works best for you in your personal situation. That's the way I look at it. Okay. Now I want to get to one more thing that's kind of dire <laughs> before we highlight all the benefits of going out there and purchasing a property and like in regards to maybe you want to get that cottage an income property, et cetera. Now, during the past year or so, two years, I've seen a lot of people take the homes that they were living in that had those inflated prices and move into larger homes. I don't even know necessarily if those are homes that they needed for the extra space or it was just an opportunity to kind of level up. The way that I see it, let's say you bought a home for $300,000. Uh, your home is now worth $500,000. And you're like, that's great. I'm going to go buy this home now that is at a million dollars. And my payments stay roughly around the same because I have the equity in my home. But I've accumulated another three dollars or $400,000 of debt. Now, I'm, I'm of the camp to where why not? aggressively pay down your mortgage and get as much equity into your house as possible and maybe not chase the Joneses or maybe be a little bit more patient? Where do you stand on that? I agree with you 100%. Um, I think that your goal with a mortgage is to pay it down. Now, the problem is the banks give you so much options where you can stretch out that debt, 25, 35, uh, 25, 30, 35 years. I mean, I, I, I'm almost 41 years old, give myself a mortgage for another 35 years. That's a long time, right? Knowing that I got to pay something off. Now, long-term, if you stretch that mortgage out, you're actually going to be paying more to the bank than you are if you're paying down your mortgage, right? Your goal should be always paid down. Now, this is the thing too. This is this is where people kind of in the last two years jumped on this whole equity thing, right? Um, if you have a lot of equity build up, why not pull it out? But people started pulling it out, a lot of it, where the stress test was also lower, and you were able to do that. The bank gave you, gave you that option, right? So, um, you know, stretching the mortgage that long, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. Um, if you are in a situation where you have no other options, I totally get it. Um, but I mean, to me, to me, knowing that my mortgage is almost mortgage free, mm -hmm. that, that's that's my goal with real estate is to pay down as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. And you'd be surprised how many how many plans and options there are where they let you put down, you know cash during the year up to like $35,000 a year. And if you have that money, if you're making it, 
uh, instead of spending it, put it towards your house, pay down your house. Um, because year over year between now and five and 10, 15, 20 years, that property is still going to appreciate, let it grow, but don't, don't maximize that debt because you're never going to see that potential equity or that potential value of it. Okay. Now, for you or in general, the ideal client slash person that should be looking into an investment property, whether it be a cottage, whether it be another home, that kind of thing. Income properties, again, have been have been very, very popular the last two years because most people, they did it the smart way. They pulled out their equity and they invested into a second property where it's going to make them money. So essentially that mortgage that you have on your second property, somebody else is paying it off, right? The mm -hmm. renter moves in and they're they're paying that off. So it's not, it's very low risk to you, right? But is there anybody uh, that should not be doing that? Some people I find maybe get into that game that really shouldn't be into that game. Or do you think really? It's tough. I'll, I'll explain okay. to you why it's tough. So okay. I, I look at landlords, there's two types of landlords. There's the business landlord and then there's the emotional landlord, right? Mm. So you got to look at income properties as a business, as a second source of income. Um, yes, you know, you're going to like the place that you're renting out to somebody. Yes, there's going to be crappy tenants. Yes, things are going to break. You got to handle that emotional side because once you let it be emotional, you're going to become emotional and that's going to really play with, well, you know what? It's not really working out for me or I, you know, that that's not the tenant that I wanted or I, I don't want to put in $10,000 every year into, into the, my income property to fix things up, right? So from my experience, and I've dealt with clients that have that have bought income properties. There's always that too. So I think I think it's not easy. It's it's not easy, right? I mean, it's it's I guess it's your character, it's your mind frame. But income properties are designed for you to have a second source of income. And once that mortgage is paid off, you have equity, you have more value, and that's up to you what you want to do with it, right? But I mean, to get into into income properties, there's so many options that as well too, because you can start with one. And as the appreciation, as, as the property grows in value, you can pull out that equity again. Now you're not using your own money. You're using that property's money and you start building your portfolio. And every couple of, you know, four, three, four, five years, you're recycling that money kind of putting into, into something new. And then 20 years, instead of having that, like we talked about that one large mortgage with a huge debt, you got three or four properties and you're, they're almost mortgage-free. I think that's a pretty cool goal to have. Right. Um, now, other people don't see that because I think a lot of, there's, there's, there's a common mistake with, with people getting into income properties and that's, hey, quick return, it's going to be super easy. No, you got it. You're essentially becoming a landlord and a manager of your own property, right? Mm -hmm. You can hire a property management company and let people do it for you, but how much are you going to trust these and why would you pay so much X amount of money? They, take, they make like a percent off your, your, your monthly income, right? So mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm, like I said, it's, 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 there's, there's, I think there's a lot more in emotional investors out there than there right. are ones that are just there for, and it's tough. I'm not going to say it's, it's easy, right? But I think it's going to come down to your character. I think it's who you are as a person. Yeah. So it's so kind of like emotional, going, let somebody else do it. Yeah. I, I have been a landlord myself and, and I consider myself to be a good communicator. So that benefited me some. Uh, but man, did I ever put a lot of time, sweat equity? <laughs> Sweat equity. And, that's a great word, man. Right. Because that, that's exactly like, you know what I mean? It's, and, and, and I think, and, and, and I think it's going to come down to your understanding of how income properties work too. You got to knowledge yourself mm -hmm. and understand that process. Right. I say it to people all the time, whether they want to hear it or not. And that is the moment a tenant moves into your property, legally, they have more rights than you do in your mm -hmm. own house. Now you got to be careful with that. Right. I do rentals. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest challenges is screening people uh, because 
you know, paperwork can look all great, high credit score, good income, but who you are as a person and and, and how you act is completely different stuff, right? So mm -hmm. you, you you there's questions you got to ask, you got to get a good feel for it, um, because there's a lot of people wanting to get into rentals. The minute I meet a tenant, and they try to be smarter than me in mm. real estate, that's mm. a red flag for me. Right. Because I know I know that something's happened in the past, or they're thinking about something, or maybe they're coming from a situation where they don't want to be, um, you know, they want to be protected themselves, kind of thing, right? And 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 they, listen, the the tribunal board, the tenant tribunal board, right now, it's backed up for two years because of cases like this, because of COVID, right? People lost jobs, they stopped paying rent. Here, so, let, let me step in here because I I had a squatter. Um, <laughs> oh, no. yeah, oh. I did. And I finally got to an adjudicator and they were so jammed is that they weren't able to make it that day. So I waited three, four months just to get in front of an adjudicator only for them to have everyone get there. And the nine o'clock when proceedings are supposed to start, they say, we have no adjudicator. So mm -hmm. that let the tenant know, right. That obviously it was going to be more time. So I think all in all, it was about eight months of having somebody live in, Right, like my free. my house, mm -hmm. and if I can lend one bit of suggestion, it would be oftentimes I find that sometimes uh, people will rush to get somebody in there because they don't want to have to make the payments themselves. I will tell you, it is worth paying the mortgage down on your income property for a couple of months if you can't find the right person. Uh, so to, to double down on what Andre just said, if you cannot yeah. find that right person or you have that gut feeling, uh, I did it, in fact, almost to kind of help a person out. I thought, like, yeah. here's someone that's really trying to get their life on track. The dumbest thing I I, I ever did. And so I, I have definitely learned from from experience. Yeah, you you, it's it's tough. It's tough. It's and I think about it all the time. I want to get into income properties. I'm in a position where I'm I'm almost there. And I have to, I have to put all that experience into play, and I'm sure I'll be even as strict, or not, probably more, more strict than I would for anybody else, right? But you got to take your time. Don't. Great point again. Don't rush into it. It's a couple of monthly payments. It's gonna, you know, you don't want it to backfire you. And like, you know, eight months of rent free, like that sucks, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, it's and, and there, there are people that are out there that, that that are looking to take advantage of somebody. Not everybody, but you have to be mm -hmm. realistic about the market. Whether it's the rental market, the investment market, the resale, the new condo, pre-con, anything. You got to be realistic. There's pros and cons to each. And you have to weigh them, and it it, it is going to be um, um, a, a decision based on that, right? So don't just jump into it. Um, and like I said earlier, I think I think a lot of the times people are so, um, you know, they want to jump into it for the wrong reasons, or or they're 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 so attracted to it, they were just kind of they they, they forget that like, hey, take your time. This is a legal legal situation. Lots mm. of money involved. You don't want this going to the courts. You don't. Mm. You don't want to be there waiting for it. There's a reason that the courts are backed up because a lot of this stuff happens, right? So um, due diligence, 100%, screening, 100%. Now, I mean, we can only do so much too as agents, right? So mm -hmm. landlords, I mean, I trust my gut as well too. Um, when something is 100% on paper and that application is just better than everybody else, I mean, credit score of 800 and income mm -hmm. of 120,000. I'm going to ask a simple question. Why don't you own? Why are you renting at this point? Why are you paying $2,500 a month and you have like this perfect... Um, uh, tenant tenant uh, application, right? So there's there's like I said, you 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 start to kind of pick up off on it, um, and th but then again, you know, you have landlords that are like, I, I don't care who it is, I just want to get paid. Mm -hmm. This is where I have to kind of stop them and say, you need to be patient. We can get you in somebody in a couple of days, but it will backfire you and bite you in the butt. 
or you can wait a little bit, give us a couple of weeks, we'll work on it, right? So, and would you suggest that someone starts with a duplex or a triplex or maybe a cottage, something that they figure they're going to use later on in life? Or is it personal just kind of again, it's going to come situation. down to, okay. yeah, your personal situation. There's, there's pros and cons to each type, right? I mean, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking at condos right now because. I want to be in a catchment area for my daughter to attend a school later on when she's grown up. Right. So at the same time, I, I see the return on cottages in the last couple of years, and you can make more in a three season cottage in that summer to pay off everything or, and that would almost be doubling what you can make off a condo. Right. So again, but there's pros and cons to that. Mm -hmm. There's going to be maintenance, you know, right. you're not going to get that kind of cottage in Ontario. You're probably going to get it more on the Quebec side, different tax implications, different laws, different agreements, right? Different lawyers. So it, there's so much there. Definitely, definitely weigh your options. Don't get me wrong. There's there's options for everybody, for sure. Um, some people prefer to live in a duplex where they can be 100% in control of their tenant, right? I live in the basement, he lives above or vice versa. So you kind of, you're there, right? Um, could I do that? I, I'm not sure. I got three kids, right? I need a little bit of privacy. So it's, everybody's different. Everybody's different, but there are options for everybody, 100%. Okay. Now, this has been very informative. Thank you for answering all my questions. <laughs> now, my if, pleasure, people, man. if people have questions that they want to ask you, if they want to get in touch with Andre, how do they do so? Guys, hit me up on Instagram uh, at Show Me Ottawa or YouTube uh, coming to Ottawa. Um, I'm on social media as much as I can. That's the fastest way to reach me. Uh, if you guys want to send me a friendly DM, um, I'll post my number as well, too. Um, again, looking forward to connecting with you and Jay. Thank so much for uh for this this was awesome no problem and i'm going to make sure all those links are going to be in the description below uh make sure to head to his youtube page give him a subscribe we know how important yeah. that is Help get monetized uh and Absolutely. feel free to do the same right here uh with the launchpad podcast launchpadpodcast.com until next time you take care be well and love simply because you can